0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining this episode of Pulling the Strings podcast, powered by Puppet. And I'm delighted to be your host. My name is Demetrius Malbro, and I'm on the product marketing team here at Puppet. And I'm really excited today to talk with Trevor Vaughn, Lucy Wyman, and Gene Liverman. Trevor is a co-founder of Onyx Point and also the co-creator of the System Integrity Management Platform, the largest compliance-focused puppet-based open-source platform. And he is also a contributor to multiple puppet communities and has been using Puppet for over a decade and beaker since it was released. Now, Lucy Wyman is a senior software engineer on the Bolt team here at Puppet and also co-leader of the open-source stewards, which we've talked about on the pod before. Now, Gene is a a newcomer, Gene Liverman senior SRE, and also the lead for the Customer Zero program here at Puppet, working on all the behind-the-scenes things engineering needs to do its job. So welcome to Pulling the Strings, everyone, and let's start off with a short history lesson on what is Beaker and why was it created. Lucy, would you like to take that?
1: Sure. Uh Beaker serves a couple of different purposes. Uh, I think that the kind of short description would be people call it a test harness, Um, but really it's meant to provision uh, any like remote uh, or even local machines that you need to use for testing various puppet infrastructure. Admittedly, my most common use for it uh, was actually in the Puppet console, but it's obviously used throughout the Puppet ecosystem. And it also, uh, so it'll provision your targets for you. It'll also then execute your uh, tests on those targets, and then uh, can handle some of the cleanup afterwards. I guess, as in okay. terms of history, it was created um, before my time, which was five years ago. So I'm going to say, you know. Trevor would probably know better than me, but maybe mm, okay. eight or nine years ago, back when we had a quality assurance team, and it was uh, created by that team um, in order to make it easier for developers to write their own tests. And uh, so it was you know, driven forward and maintained by that QA team until our quality assurance organization in Puppet was kind of disbanded, maybe disinvested from, maybe... Three or four mm-hmm. years ago. And then, I mean, ever since then, it's been just kind of in maintenance mode, you know, not not really getting a lot of attention from Puppet as an organization, despite, like I said, being used throughout the community by wonderful module authors like Trevor. Trevor, I don't know if there's any anything you want yeah, to Yeah, I
0: was going to see if, uh, if Trevor wanted to fill in the blanks for us and add some more color to the history of Beaker.
2: Oh, sure thing. Um, so actually, at the last Puppetize in 2019, I did a presentation on, on Beaker and PDK. Um, and in that, I have a slide, if anybody wants to go look it up. Um, but basically, RSpec Puppet came around in about 2012. Uh, it was a great testing framework for Puppet modules. It really let us get in and dig deep and, and kind of have a more like focused DevOps approach to getting things done. Um, in 2014, uh, by my notes anyway, uh, Beaker came out and was added as kind of an adjunct to RSpec Puppet. So you use RSpec Puppet for your unit tests, and then you pulled in Beaker for your acceptance testing. Um, it took my project uh, about a year to kind of integrate it into our testing framework. Uh, but once we, once we pulled it in, honestly, there really hasn't been anything better for us uh, to date, because we focus a lot on multi-node testing, and actually testing small infrastructures. And as one of my colleagues likes to say, uh, in his opinion, Beaker is basically a vagrant of vagrants. Uh, It essentially makes it easy to stand up very, very small infrastructures, do your tests and pull them back down again, but all within the RSpec, the niceties of RSpec.
0: Okay. And uh, Gene, did did you want to also add something to that as well? Sure. Um, It was
3: about three to three and a half years ago when our QA team got disbanded as a team and that function got rolled into other parts of the organization. And at that time, The quality engineering team and the Infrator team, which have since merged to become Dio, and that's the team that I'm on, uh, took over maintenance of Beaker. But we didn't really have the time or inclination to do anything more than what was absolutely needed to keep the lights on with it. Um, From our perspective, it worked. And the things that we put effort into was when PE tests started failing. Um, Because except for that, it worked fine. And... From our perspective, its purpose was to be able to test Puppet Enterprise. We knew the community had it too, but we just said we didn't have the bandwidth to do anything beyond that with it.
0: Okay, awesome. So you have the history, and I, I hope everyone learned some things that they didn't know before about Beaker and why it was created. Now, I guess one of the most important questions right now would be how it's different from some of the other, other testing tools that are out there, like uh, Litmus in particular.
2: So we actually looked at a lot of different tools over time, as as both Lucy and Gene were saying. Uh, you know, Puppet again didn't abandon it, but it wasn't their primary focus, which makes sense. And so of course we we kind of farmed around. Um, the big thing for us was both well the big two things for us were both the integration into the RSpec uh, testing framework, the Ruby RSpec testing framework, uh, because it allows us to pause at different positions, kind of tweak things, play with things on the fly. Um, And get a really good systematic output of all of our tests from the top down some other platforms has had similar capabilities in the past and I'll be honest We went and started looking at test kitchen a lot of the a lot of the uh, Community and different communities use test kitchen for their testing um, But we found very quickly that it could not do the second part of what we needed which was multi-node testing so from our point of view uh, we do a lot of just widespread systems automation, uh, and, and we want our, to make sure that when we automate a system, that actually all the components can still actually communicate properly. And so we hit a particular set of issues where we need to be able to sit, stand up four or five nodes at a time, test them quickly, and then tear everything back down. And basically, when we started talking about, okay, you know, what, what are we going to do in terms of you know trying to find something that's not beaker? Um, if Puppet wasn't interested in pulling it along, uh, we basically didn't find anything better. And uh, we looked at you know the, the other Beaker, which is actually a Red Hat project, uh, Test Kitchen, um, and we looked at Litmus. And Litmus is making great progress. But right now, it still doesn't have the kind of seamless multi-node capabilities that we really need. And when we started looking further into things, basically, it turned out that what we started talking about was building something that looks suspiciously like Beaker. So at that point, basically, we got in the talks with, with the, the folks at Puppet and Vox Populi, and the decision was made to start kind of porting Beaker itself over into Vox Populi so that the community can start basically uh, the care and feeding of, of this project that we currently don't have a replacement for.
1: I think there's a couple of other uh, things that I want to mention, not that Trevor left anything out, more just, uh, I guess, things that are top of mind for me. I think they're Beaker has a pretty rich ecosystem of like helper modules and you know ways of interacting with common technologies. There's like a Beaker AWS, Beaker Docker helper. Um, you know, at very lo- varying levels of um, kind of doneness, as it were. But uh, I think that that is a really important part of talking about like how Beaker is useful and how it's different from Litmus. Um, I think a lot of that we are maybe going to need to recreate for limits and a big part of us moving all of the beaker repos to vox is moving all of those helpers over as well so that those can like still be maintained and um, I think the other thing worth mentioning besides multi-node is like under the hood uh Limus uses bolt as its like remote execution driver whereas beaker is just using like kind of raw ssh and winrm which is i mean ultimately Bolt is also just using ssh and winrm but um i think that eventually what we are looking at is kind of converging those two and you know it's it's too early to tell really like is litmus going to develop a Kind of better user interface to match more of what Beaker has um, and become the one tool to rule them all? Or is Beaker going to get refactored so that it uses Bolt to drive execution and become the one tool to rule them all? Or are they both going to kind of coexist and fill their separate niches as they do now? So I think that's kind of a big part of what we're thinking about within Puppet right now.
3: One other thing of note is that several of those beaker plugins had not been touched by puppet in so long that when we went through doing some cleanup a while back we actually archived the github repos and about a year after those repos were archived we would get a ping periodically in the community slack from somebody who had been continually using that beaker plugin without error until like some new operating system came out or something like that and all of a sudden they needed like a two-line patch and they were reaching out to us because with repository archive they couldn't even put up a pull request Um, and that kind of opened my eyes a little bit about not just how widely it's used but to a lot of extent how stable a lot of the stuff in beaker is it's literally can go years without being touched and serve people's needs just fine
2: yeah, honestly, I, I don't know if, if you guys interacted much with Alice Nudelman, Um, but the care and feeding that went into the creating of, of Beaker was just amazing. And I kind of think of it as like the best secret out there. It's uh, basically it's extremely well engineered, extremely well crafted. The um, when, when the folks took it over and actually refactored it and split it up into different components and modules, um, they did a great job in terms of making really solid interfaces. But the documentation just kind of never followed along, along, uh, which basically means it's it's kind of like the best kept secret now.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's always been the hardest part for me is that there was virtually no valid documentation for it. It was trial and error and magic voodoo to be able to put it to use.
0: (laughs) Magic voodoo. Hold on. I I think that might be a new title. Absolutely. I like it. We're going to keep it. Um, But something jumped out at me when you mentioned... That it's not maintained often, but I guess that means it's a solid uh, implementation. But I want to dig more into why it moved over, why Beaker moved over to the Vox Papuli or however you pronounce it. I I still mess that name up now. Uh, The Vox team. Who who can answer that for me and explain that to me?
3: Uh, I'll start with that one. So Trevor and I had talked on the community Slack and at Puppetize a few times about the future of Beaker. And he had interest in helping with it as, well, I learned that he had interest in helping with it as a byproduct of our conversations. And we did a bunch of talking internally. Mm -hmm. And what we decided was that Beaker should live with somebody who actually wants it. So it's not that we have any intention to stop using it, but we don't really need to do anything with it for it to keep doing what we need. While people in the community were actually interested in doing the care and feeding of it so that it could do what the community needs it to do beyond just what us the company needed to do and our main community group is vox and so Mm -hmm. we started up the conversations to see if vox was interested in taking it in no way did we want to dump it on vox there has been a misconception or Possibly an accurate analysis at times, that puppetists tended to dump things they don't want on Vox, and we
0: actively wanted to avoid that. All right, hold on. Uh, who, who would say that? No one should say anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for that
3: one. <laughs> um, I, you know, I wish that wasn't the case, but that was at least a perception that a chunk of the community had. And so with Beecher, we wanted to actively avoid feeding that conception. Um, We didn't want that to be the appearance of what was happening. Um, And so we had Ben Ford and myself and Lucy and I think some others had conversations with various people at Vox and Trevor and found that there was interest on that side. And so we went through the process of getting all of our ducks in a row on the internal side to actually start transferring the beaker repositories over to vox which for us meant that we needed to make a few structural changes internally such as not pinning to latest but pinning to known versions within our testing pipelines so that we didn't have to worry about changes that were coming in from the community inadvertently keeping puppet enterprise from being able to be shipped one day we just need to be a little more cognizant of that we probably should have never been pinning to latest in the first place but when everything's internal it's a it feels safer than when you have external people hitting the merge button as opposed to people who are looking at the release calendar. So from my perspective anyway, that's kind of how that happened. Um, Trevor or Lucy might be able to provide some additional context to that.
2: Yeah, actually. I mean, I, so I uh, participate in the Vox community in various ways as, as well as many of my team members. And as I said, you know, we didn't want to rewrite Beaker. That seemed to be a complete waste of time. Um, so you know, we're interested in helping keeping Beaker alive in the Vox community um, and really helping to make sure the PR is get reviewed in a reasonably timely manner, no guarantees. It's a it's a uh, open source community, after all. Um, but we use it daily, right? We use it every day. We use the deep parts of it. And um, we want it to keep working. So uh, for those parts we use, we're going to keep them moving along. And to Lucy's point, I. I I don't. It's it will be a heavy lift, um, but I would absolutely love to see uh, the SSH and WinRM guts of Beaker completely removed and replaced with calls directly to Bolt. I think that would be honestly the best thing ever.
3: Yeah, that does sound pretty awesome, and that also seems like it would help close the gap between the use case of Beaker and the use case of Litmus significantly.
0: Great. Well, it seems like Vox is doing a great job maintaining uh, Beaker thus far, and we really appreciate. The entire team, you know, to continue on that journey, and I guess what are future plans for Beaker? So, if we had a crystal ball and we wanted to take a take a look into the future, what what would the future look like for for Beaker, especially around like supported operating systems, et cetera? I certainly have opinions, um,
2: <laughs> and again, this is based on what we need, right? So, in terms of operating system support, it's it's pretty solid, and adding new operating systems has become easier and easier over time. Um, One of the things that actually I completed recently and pushed up was the ability to use Podman instead of Docker um, using the Beaker Docker uh, uh, module. And that actually required fixing the upstream Docker API RubyGem. But uh, it looks like in the very near future, we should actually be able to do uh, multi-node testing using uh, containers in Podman. Which I'm pretty excited about.
1: That's awesome.
2: Um, yeah, it's it it fully it fully works. It was I was amazed. Like it f- it spun up multi node, no swarm, no nothing. Just just boom, it works. Um, Very cool. Yeah, no kidding. And I also tested uh, rootless support, so you can actually do rootless podman. You can't do multi node rootless. That has to be on the main system podman uh, because of the uh, IP address namespacing. Uh, sorry, the uh, network namespacing. spacing. But um, but it totally works in rootless mode if you don't actually need to do anything multi node which is really exciting. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And of course, future looking, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, somebody from the Bolt team will actually be happy to help us integrate Bolt and replace the nasty SSH bits. That would be actually wonderful. Um, and then you know, kind of looking at documentation. Um, when, I, when I updated the, uh, the Docker plugin, I went ahead and actually added some of the missing documentation to it. Um, so if we, if we all kind of chip away at it as a, as a community, then I think we can really have something really solid moving forward.
3: As far as new operating system support, that's kind of a combination effort between Vox and Puppet. Because um, as I've mentioned, you know we use this for testing Puppet Enterprise. So we need to make sure that the OSs that are represented as supported from Puppet Enterprise's point of view are also supported by Beaker. But sometimes Vox is ready for those OSs before we are. And so, one of the things this has enabled is those new operating systems to be added at whoever needs it first pace, instead of when Puppet's ready to get around to it pace.
0: Now, you you do know Lucy is on the Bolt team, right, Trevor? <laughs> I'm just oh yeah, I'm just kidding.
2: Lucy and I have had <laughs> many conversations where she's wanted to throw things at me from across the country.
0: Definitely, that would never
3: happen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I know, Lucy's too nice for that.
0: Yeah, and I, I didn't hear anyone mention anything about, like, Litmus and, you know, the rapper, et cetera, around Litmus. Is there any plans to make that, I guess, to maybe make that more friendly?
1: Actually, yeah. We, the ecosystem kind of teams within Puppet have been meeting just this week to kind of plan out what did the next, you know, 6, 12, 18 months look like and talk about prioritizing um, you know, what, what does the Litmus team want to work on? What does PDK want to work on? And so they actually have a prototype up for multi-node testing at the moment. Um, and we also know that UX is a big concern. And so I think the results of the uh, many, many, many ecosystem meetings we had this week um, will kind of be become evident in the next week or two. Um, So it's hard to say right now, like, how much investment the Litmus team is going to get. But I think at the very least, multi-known testing is going to be coming out pretty soon. And, yeah, hopefully kind of improved. Uh, Like I said, I I am not sure um, how much Litmus is working on those kind of plugins um, or that kind of, like, you know, how does Litmus work with... uh, Google Cloud and AWS and mm-hmm. um, all those other kind of um, where wherever you would have your machines you want to be provisioning. Um, so I can't speak to that, but.
0: Okay.
3: One other thing worth mentioning on the Litmus wrapper and those bits is mm-hmm. the text output that's generated from running Litmus versus running Beaker is notably different in readability. And that's something that I believe Trevor has brought up more than once. Um, Trevor, do you want to speak to that aspect of it a little bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, so that was what I was talking about earlier with the RSpec-based output. Um, so basically, when I get this output right now from Beaker, I get an extremely understandable chain of events. Um, I can loop through nodes. I can pause in between nodes. I can pass communication very easily uh, because it's really just using the procedural power of RSpec um, to, to wrap everything. And that's that's one of those items where when we are trying to use Litmus, you know, we love Bolt. And when we, when we do things with Bolt, it's it's awesome that we can do things in parallel and it's, it's really nice. But I don't want them in parallel. Um, and that's been part of the kind of the issue for us moving forward right now.
0: OK, great. Well, look, I know I've enjoyed the conversation and once again have learned a ton about Beaker and also some of the things that are happening and the importance of multi-node testing. And I even learned something about RSpec which is a little scary, but you definitely don't want me at the keyboard um, trying (laughs) to do anything with that. Um, But, yeah, it it was awesome to have each and every one of you on. Is there any way that the audience can reach out to you on social media? Let's start with with you, Lucy. You want to share maybe LinkedIn profile, Twitter handle, or any other social communication?
1: I mean – my call to action is going to be like, put up some PRs, people. <laughs> <No. laughs> PRs, welcome to Bolt and Beaker. No. um, Yeah, the the best way to reach me, I'm pretty inactive on Twitter, but I'm the Lucy Wyman. And that's really my only social I want to share.
0: Okay. All right. That's, that's okay. You don't have to share your IG or the new clubhouse or you guys have heard of clubhouse, right?
3: Nope. Don't nope. know what you're that talking one. about
0: on that one. See, see, you, you gotta get with it. But that's for another conversation. Trevor, what about you? Yeah, actually,
2: I'm I'm gonna totally uh back Lucy up um with the PRs. Uh outside of that, um, you can find me on Slack. Uh I'll be Trevor, Trevor Vaughn or T Vaughn. I'm pretty much everything. Um, and you can also find me, of course, at onyxpoint.com. And uh
0: easy, easy enough to get that way. All right. Bring us home, Gene.
3: Yeah, uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me is through the Puppet Community Slack. I am Gene Bean there. It's kind of a little green alien looking dude. You can also find me with just my name, Gene Liverman, on uh, LinkedIn or other places also. Um, I'm GitHub. I'm also Gene Bean. But the easiest way to find me is through the Puppet Community Slack. And in particular, if there's anything that hasn't been transferred to Vox that someone has interest in, be sure and reach out to us because we're happy to transfer more of the bits of Beaker. We just don't want to transfer things over unless there's an interested party that's helping, interested in helping run with it because, again, we don't want to just be dumping stuff on people.
0: And Gene, you, you said Gene Bean? Yeah, G-E-N-E-B-E-A-N. Where did you get that from? I am so curious. I just, long time nickname. Oh, is it because it rhymes or is yeah. there some story behind it? No, just because it rhymes. All right. Simple enough, then. (laughs) I had to mute myself to to keep myself from cracking up. And I knew you had a story (laughs) behind that, though, Gene.
3: Uh, It's just like most little kids, you know, there's rhyming things
0: that are said about them and some things just stick. All right. Well, we're going to stick with that. I would like to thank you for sharing with us on Pulling the Strings podcast powered by puppets.